And Twitter was like, yo, I know they be musty all the time because Jules and, and Ruby riding their bikes everywhere, wearing like sweatpants <laughs> and stuff. God. <laughs>
I think the uh, the wires the better uh, well re- well written show, but I find The Sopranos more entertaining to watch. Like if you told me I can only watch one of them, I'm watching The Sopranos. But I think The Wire is probably the better show. Just like I said on Twitter, I just think there's just a lot more going on with like the characters and uh, different aspects of the city. Whereas with The Sopranos, it's more so about the Soprano family. Like it, there's a main character on The Sopranos, whereas in The Wire. There is no main character where that's kind of the same thing with Game of Thrones, where it's just like the main character is the whole Game of Thrones, like everybody involved in it. And that's the same with The Wire. There is no one person you could focus on because anybody can go at any point. No one's going to last the entire show. Whereas with The Sopranos, it's about Tony Soprano and his family. But I mean, I if, like I said, if I have to watch only one, I'm, I'm watching The Sopranos over again. I don't even think it. Well, like you guys said, it's it's not a comparison at all. Um, I think the Sopranos is probably one A or one B best show of all time. The Wire is a top ten show of all time. I mean, you can't go wrong either way. I understand that we're from different backgrounds, and just taking race out of it, which is something that we don't need to do. But like, so the Sopranos is just from start to finish was a, just a great series, and. Any show that comes out afterwards or going forward, like they should aim to model to really make a show from beginning, climax, peak to the end, like The Soprano, just to to end on that note. Like a lot of times we come across these shows like A Game of Thrones where it was good for a long time. It really seemed like it was going to be in that conversation and then, you know, Whatever. Yeah. I don't know if Mark is finished or not, but you know, kind of. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm finished. What, what's, this, what's the Sopranos considered a black show? Like, I don't remember. No, no, no. It's, like... it's not a black show. I'm just saying people cape for the wire because, like, oh, you got Omar and he's got a shotgun and they're in the hood selling crack. And, like, uh, that's cool, but, like, it's it's not. It's not. Like more white not people like close to me, I, I get that, but black people. And white people love Sopranos. You know what I'm saying? Like I've I've watched that shit like five times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, I I caught the Sopranos after like once it was already gone, like yeah, on yeah, the TV. I, I went back and kind of just binge watched it. And once I got into it, I was I was fully into it. I, it was kind of the same thing I did with Game of Thrones, where I was like watching three or four episodes at a time, like just going through it. Yeah. Shout out to Lucy. He said uh, talking about. The Sopranos during Black History Month. Man, look, it, it is a staple in the Black community. It's it's shot in Northern New Jersey. Uh, it's in Newark. Uh, it's extremely racist. Tony Soprano would definitely would be a Trump supporter. That's why I asked that. He didn't want to like bring race into it. I'm like, wait, is this, the Sopranos isn't like a Black show. Like, I don't remember like a lot of Black people like, hey, did you watch The Sopranos? Like, I don't remember that. I mean, a lot of people came back around to it after they put that terrible movie out, but it's, you know, if, if anything, the movie was great. I guess to get their streams up for the show on HBO Max. That movie was fucking terrible. I, I kind of feel like, and me and you had this conversation in private, but to me, it's almost like ever since Michael K. Williams passed away, which RP to him, it, it's like that with everything else. When people pass away, all of a sudden we get this revisionist history about things. And now this is the greatest person of all time. When if you live in real time, and I know he just passed away not too long ago, but just like Kobe. 
before Kobe passed away, when he was still in the league, people, oh, he's selfish, he's trash, he's washed, he's this, he's that. Then he retires, starts to build some goodwill. Okay, well, yeah, you know, he's back to being maybe a top seven-ish player. And then it's like he passes now. Yeah, he's the greatest player of all time, out of nowhere. You know, they, they do that with, like, everything. Like, if somebody passes away, like, even with DMX, yeah, living during the time, there was a two-year window where he was probably at the top of the game. But after that, nobody was really messing with him like that. And now it's like, yeah, he's one of the all-time greats, too. You know, just keep it real, like, the entire way through. Like, I understand that people pass away all the time. It's great to have this the, these memories of them. But don't make up stuff. Like, we, we know what happened in real time. Uh, the Wire was a show. I didn't watch that as it came out. I was like kind of a little bit late. I caught a couple episodes, but I got like a DVD collection from somebody and watched it back. I watched The Sopranos in real time. Like it was must see TV during the time. Best ending to a series of all time, easily. And I'm saying that in Black History Month. Yeah, I don't think people were uh, capping for The Wire. I feel like that's always been like the consensus, like top three show ever like even before yeah um, I, I, looked, like, I looked at quite a few lists that don't even have it in the top 10 of hbo shows now, wait, now is it black are these black people lists though or are these just lists no it's an hbo list like of hbo oh. shows i've seen like if they and we've gone a little and they don't have the wire in the top 10 i saw like deadwood was ahead of the wire no no i never seen deadwood but <laughs> Now, like I said, I'm about to go do like uh, do some research and like, you know, put these lists together, right, and just see what what the average is. But The Sopranos is usually up there. You know what I'm saying? But let us know what you think. Let me know what your let me know what the the standout the standout wire episode is for you because I, I can't think. Of okay, it. so just one more thing. I did just Google it. I, I googled is the Wire the greatest show ever. It says the Wire has officially been named the best show, the best television show of the 21st century, according to a poll conducted by the BBC Culture with industry critics. The platform gathered 206 entertainment experts across 43 countries and asked them to vote on their favorite series since 2000. The Sopranos came out before 2000, by the way, but that's the uh, hey, that's how they move the goalpost. <laughs> yeah, so well, I, I just looked up uh, the Rolling Stones list that came out in 2016. They have The Wire at number two and The Sopranos at number one. So I'm looking at the Esquire list uh, that has The Wire at number one, Sopranos at number two. So well, the, all yeah, I'm saying is like no one's yeah. Go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I got the IMDb list up. They have Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> they got The Sopranos at four, Game of Thrones at five, The Wire at six. Which yeah, I'm surprised that, that was, the city comes behind all of those. Minus is that a good show? Is that a good show, Sex in the City? Is that a good I caught a little yeah, bit of it. Perfect. I liked it, but I, I was young back then. I was just trying to be a pervert, to be honest with you. So I don't know. Well, that's what happened to me. I watched the first episode, and there was no cheeks getting clapped. So I was like, I'm not going to watch this anymore. So I don't know. Maybe I'll try it again. But I, I keep hearing that that's a good show. And I'm I like, you know, I want to maybe I'll just start doing this thing where I start live tweeting shows from 20 years ago. But so, let me ask you all this before we go on, and then I'm finished. So I'm, I'm looking at a list now from amp.radiox. They got The Wire at number one. They got Breaking Bad at number three. I would actually put Breaking Bad over the wire. What are y'all's thoughts on that? If everybody's seen Breaking Bad, it's not my cup of tea, but I see how people could get into it. 
I'm going to have to say I'd have to go with Breaking Bad. And the thing that's going to push me over the top is that Breaking Bad is not like regular cable. And that shit was excellent. You know what I'm saying? Like just a regular cable bootleg network AMC that nobody's watching. And that, that shit was fire. But again, you don't get Breaking Bad without the Sopranos. So all comes full circle. I think I take the Sopranos, man. That's no, no, Breaking Bad. What you said, Breaking Bad versus the Wire. This friend. Yeah, Breaking Bad versus the Wire. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I would rather watch Breaking Bad over the Wire because, again, it's more so focused on uh, a smaller group of people. The the uh, Breaking Bad is like the Wire. There's just so much going on and so many different storylines and a lot of things to keep up with. Where Breaking Bad is more so just they focus on these few singular characters like it, it branches out the further it goes along but the main characters stay the main characters throughout the, the story for the most part so I, I would rewatch breaking bad over the wire also okay well there you have it we'll, we'll definitely delve into this a little bit more i definitely want to f- flesh this out as soon as i finish rewatching the wire so i can give the most unbiased opinions that i can so but anywho uh, sticking on bias, uh, as the NFL last year championed uh, to end racism and champion diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, there was a bit of a bomb dropped on the what second day of Black History Month? Where first day. First day. Oh, yeah, because, okay, so the first controversy is that uh, Tom Brady decided to wait till the first day of Black History Month to announce what we already knew that he was going to retire from the NFL, which he probably should have did last year because he had nothing else to prove at that point, but you know, maybe he hates his family. Uh, but Brian Flores, former coach of the Miami Dolphins, uh, decided to come out fucking guns a-blazing at the NFL with uh, fire allegations that, one, he was brought in for a dummy interview with the uh, New York football giants, and, two, that the giant or the Dolphins were offering him up to $100,000 per game to lose to increase their draft position. All of these are problematic, but none of these surprise me, right? Uh, the NFL has, America has long been a inherently racist institution, right? We can all agree on that, you know, shout out to critical race theory for the people who don't believe in American history. Uh, but him coming out doing that at the age of 40 after having a head coaching job probably would have gotten another head coaching job at some point being he's still fairly young, you know, um, and he was pretty successful in the Dolphins, uh, you know, with all the other circumstances. Uh, this is a, a pretty, I don't know, I guess it's kind of, he's, he's going to be, I think the, the coaching equivalent of Colin Kaepernick, but if he is, that means we have made no progress because we knew what the game was right there. Like if the NFL, if the Dolphins have done what they're being accused to do, the NFL needs to do right by this man. I'm not saying you have to like grant him a coaching job, but he should not be able to be blackballed. So I want to get Amphro's take on this uh, and just kind of uh, flesh out what what happened with the whole situation <clears throat> with the uh, the text message gate. Yeah. So uh, basically, if. It seems to me, again, I'm not a lawyer, but looking at this from the perspective of being lawyer adjacent, I'll say that in the work that I do, um, none of this starts if Bill Belichick 
doesn't send the text message, right? So Bill Belichick, Brian Flores texts Bill Belichick. He's kind of looking for some insight on what it is that he is going to be positioned to be able to get this New York job. Shout out to Brian Flores being from Brooklyn as well, too. That's where your boy Michael K. Williams is from. Shout out to Brownsville. Uh, yes, yeah, sir. Um, within this, Bill Belichick responds back that he believes that he already has the job. It's it's kind of funny that an older guy who doesn't know how to use technology sparked off this whole lawsuit. The unfortunate part about it is, again, this is from a non-lawyer's perspective, is I don't know that it'll matter. New York is probably going to argue that Bill Belichick, who doesn't work for them, who has no bearing and knowledge of what they do as an organization, um, speaks for them whatsoever, which legally I, I probably would agree with, right? What does someone who works at another company, what do they know about what we do here? Right. I mean, that sounds that sounds pretty good. Um, but they're going to try to pile on everything that's happened right between the Stephen Ross, between the history of the NFL and their racism, um, even as simple as um, the NFL integrating. Although the NFL says that they're a champion for diversity, um, many don't know the NFL only integrated because this. Um, L.A. Rams, when they moved from Cleveland, were forced to because they needed public money and California law prohibited any public space, meaning if you took a dollar of public money to build anything, you could not segregate in anything that was considered a public space, which means that the L.A. Rams had to be integrated because it was California state law if they wanted to build a stadium. So even the NFL integration was because they had to, because a state forced them to. So when we look at all these factors, um, legally, I don't know if he's going to get anywhere. Maybe the NFL even just pays him off to go away, because what we have found out is the owners don't like people prying in their business. Um, they don't want discovery to happen. Um, we saw from not on a legal perspective, but on an external base with the Washington football team, when discovery was happening there, what do we get? We get information about John Gruden that gets him fired. So what we know is the owners don't like people digging into their business because usually what happens is, unfortunately, information that they didn't think was available pops up so they all protect each other. Um, ultimately, like I said, I think Flores gets paid off. I'm not sure that he'll ever coach in a head coaching position, maybe not even an assistant position in the NFL. Um, I think this is kind of it for him, and uh, we'll see him in the college ranks with Hugh Jackson. I agree with you 100% on that one. And I would just like to say this. Just I would like to preface something real quick. What I hope in all this because some of the rumors um, or some of the allegations such as uh, John Elway and company showing up to the interview in Denver drunk, it's going to be really hard to prove that 
Um, the hundred thousand dollars per loss, we're gonna need to see text messages, and and some of the other stuff, even with the Giants, like. I mean, yeah, you got a premature text message congratulating you before you even did the interview, but that doesn't like it, it's kind of hard to prove that. But my one hope is he does not end up like Jesse Smollett, like sure. whereas, yeah, because that would hurt us so much because now you have uh, Hugh Jackson and I want to say was it Marvin Lewis that also said that he may have got some money as well. It was Hugh uh, Jackson. It was, I know it was Hugh Jackson for sure, but then he kind of backtracked and said, well, was money put in like a special fund or something like yep. that? But what you don't want to do is ruin all of our credibility um, by doing this. Look, we're all brown people, black people, African-Americans here. We know what goes on. We know the Rooney rule. Like I was, uh, my team's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I was watching the press conference today where Shaq Khan was asked, um, would he be interested in hiring an EVP? And him as a minority, he came out and said, well, yeah, we're going to do that. And I'm paraphrasing, but it's certain things we need to do per the league to get by the league. You have to interview two minority candidates outside of the um, facilities in order for you to hire a non-minority or for you to hire anybody. So it's like he basically just let it be known like, yeah, we're going to hire Rick Spielman, but we got to go interview these random niggas, you know, so then we can satisfy the league. Like we know how that goes. Like, you know, it's guys all the time that, and I don't remember the exact names, but it'd be black coordinators that are nowhere near qualified. And I'm not saying like a Josh McNown situation, but you know that they're just there to fulfill the, the Rooney rule. I really hope it goes in his favor. I hope that he doesn't just take a payout, but he's able to prove this stuff are these allegations as much as he can. So we can really drive home the change because it's ridiculous. Like you have a league that's over 75% or over three fourths African-American. I think it's between uh, 74% or at least minorities. We have two minority coaches. Uh, I'm assuming Ron Rivera is maybe of Spanish descent. Um, If not, excuse me, El Chapa, I apologize because I don't know. Um, And then we have Mike Tomlin. And it's like just things that just happen that are so weird. Like we live in a place where Mike Tomlin is a coach that's been a coach for 15 years, no losing seasons. They were calling for his head last year. They were calling for his head in the beginning of the year saying that, hey, he should take the USC job. Hey, what if we replace him? Can we trade him? Like these were active conversations. And this is a Super Bowl champion winning coach. He's been to the Super Bowl twice. No, he's he's been to the Super Bowl twice, I believe. But if it was anybody else like Sean McVay, are they calling for his head when, you know, in the last couple of years, he didn't quite live up to expectations. Uh, Bill Belichick last year, when they kind of didn't go to the playoffs at all, were they calling for his head? Like, why do we never get the same respect that these other people have? But then you'll have a guy like Dan Quinn, who went to a Super Bowl, completely fell apart, was a bad coach. And because he's a part of the Good Boys Club, he's already, you know, eligible to get rehired. But black people like a Hugh Jackson, like a Marvin Lewis, um, you know, so forth. And Lovey Smith, like just guys over the years, they get one shot, usually with a terrible team like your Stephen Wilkes, um, like David Cully, different things like that. These guys will never be head coaches again in the NFL. They get their one shot and you're done. And it's so unfair. Yeah, the, the Steve Wilkes one is pretty – was pretty offensive to me because he only got one year and then he got fired for uh, Cliff Kingsbury 
who, if you don't know, when he was in college, he had Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield as his quarterbacks and wasn't able to do anything with those guys. You know, like Brian Flores gets fired after uh, overachieving at his job. The former Texans coach gets fired after one season for pretty much overachieving at his job. You know, and like like Tech was saying, Mike Tomlin's they're talking about running him out of the out of the league because he has like a shaky beginning of the season. You know, it's just kind of we don't get that same kind of leash. And you look at uh, with his Jaguars, they just hired Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson was the offensive coordinator for Andy Reid, and then he got a job with Philly. And I think was it uh, the the Nagy was next, and then Eric Bieniemy became the OC. So Eric Bieniemy has been the OC. And Doug Peterson has been a head coach, been fired as a head coach, took a year off, and is now back as a head coach. And Eric Bieniemy is still an offensive coordinator. Byron Leftwich, uh, I'm not sure how much credit he gets for this, but I know other offensive coordinators would get credit for it. But he helped uh, lead an offense to a Super Bowl. And he is still currently an offensive coordinator. Like, he wasn't able to cash in on possibly – leading an offense with the MVP on it that got to the playoffs that has already won a Super Bowl. Like if he can't get a job with that on his resume, it's like one of these guys going to get an opportunity, you know, no, go ahead, Marcus. No, it's like just one of these guys are going to get an opportunity. If if you have like Airbnb led the offense with Patrick Mahomes when he won the MVP, when he won the Super Bowl MVP, Byron Leftwich led the offense when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl. Last year, he led the offense. Tom Brady led the league in passing yards and touchdowns. Mike, uh, the uh, uh, the MVP of the league, he wasn't able to secure the Jaguars job, a team that he used to play for. If he can't, like, what is it going to take for them? What is it going to take for and it? And at the end of the day, it kind of feels like, you know, at some point uh, the ownership needs to change because – this looks like it's going to be the same thing with, uh, um, like with Kaepernick. Like these owners are just going to be like, "Well, you can't make us sign him. Like, what if we don't sign him? What are you going to do about it?" You know. So, with these black coaches, they're just like, "Well, we'll just do the whole sham Rooney rule and whatever. You can't make us hire these guys." And it's just like sometimes you have to incentivize them to do these things because, like the uh, someone, I believe it was the Vikings hired a minority for their as their general manager. Mm-hmm. And because of that, I think the, the they got a third round pick for that just for hiring a minority as their general manager. And it's like, it's almost like you have to incentivize these owners to look at other people, you know, to look at, okay, we're not just going to hire the, the hot shot, uh, you know, coach, coach's son, you know, hey, I can hire Mike Tomlin and we'll get an extra second round pick involved. You know, it's just like it's kind of embarrassing, but it's like you almost have to do that for them to even take notice of coaches that are better at their job than these other candidates like Jim Caldwell. There's no reason he shouldn't be in the NFL. Like he took the he took the Lions to the playoffs. They had a 10-1 season. He should have been coach of the year. Anybody that does that should be coach of the reach coach of the year taking the freaking Lions to the playoffs with 10 wins, and he hasn't been able to get a head coaching job since. And, and like, like you said, like, um, and I, I hate to interject, but I just want to bring up names too. Like you have a guy like a Kevin O'Connell when you talk about Eric 
the enemy, who is on Lowski's team, he doesn't even call the plays. He's 32 years old, a former coach for the Patriots. He's considered for this Vikings job. He's getting requests for interviews from the Jaguars. Um, you'll have a guy like, um, I don't know if it was Matt or Mike LaFleur. They didn't even call plays at, at one point. They're getting, you know, jobs and different things like that. But you'll use the enemy and he does call plays, but then they, they no, no, he doesn't. Or, or even with Byron Leftwich, it was like, okay, well, he called, he calls plays, but no, it's Tom Brady that he can override him. Like you, you can't, you can't do that. Like at the end of the day, if you can have a Kevin O'Connell who I understand he's a passing game coordinator too, and he may coordinate the red zone stuff too. Same with Nathaniel Hackett, but these people are getting jobs without even calling plays, without even having the best of credentials. Nathaniel Hackett was ran out of town in Jacksonville with, with the Bortles uh, the year later in 2018 when we fell apart, ran out of town, didn't even finish the year, but yet and still he goes to Green Bay, doesn't call plays, and gets a head coaching job. But you'll have the enemy who they'll bring up his past, whereas I'll use this. Now, he did have a DUI in 2000 or 2001. That was 20 years ago. But we'll hire a Joe Cully or whatever his name is, Cully, um, Cullen, I'm sorry, our defensive coordinator. He had a DUI because he was driving naked in a Wendy's. But he could still get a job. But Eric Bieniemy is not a leader of men because he had an issue back when he was barely a young adult. It just goes to speak volumes about how if you're black, whether it's a felony or prison time or whether you do anything wrong, you're never going to get the same benefit of the doubt as our peers. Uh, uh, once again, they have the complexion for protection, and we don't. Shout out to Dr. <laughs> so what, what I will say is I don't I, I don't even know why. I wouldn't even bring up the whole Jesse Smollett thing because, like, these, these cats came on TV to the big networks, like, the next day. Like, they're they trying to get ahead of the narrative, which I tweeted out. Uh, it looked like uh, Flores wasn't, like, TV prepared, right? He wasn't like the, the greatest speaker, I guess, in the CBS interview with me. But I mean, it, regardless, if if these allegations are true, it doesn't matter how you how you convey it, right? The, the stuff is going to be laid out or not laid out because they don't want to have any discovery, um, which discovery is, is like where you can pretty much get everything, right? And, and you're saying like, hey, we don't know. Bill Belichick has no bearing on what the Giants do, but what if there's sex messages from Giants people to him? You know what I'm saying? And like, that's... That's what you find out in Discovery. Which we will never find out. So. Which that's why people believe that a payout will happen and it'll go away. Um, so some things I also wanted to kind of point out why about Flores is um, thinking of people who are labeled geniuses as we were talking about coaches. Um, you know, what's funny is the do you know Sean McVay thing is still apparently relevant. If you know Sean McVay somehow. You, yeah. you can get a job. Um, Kyle Shanahan, uh, they had a fantastic season this year. They're probably moving on at quarterback. But um, Lifetime in Miami has a first-time head coach. Brian Flores still has a better win percentage than Kyle Shanahan does in San Francisco. Whatever you want to take of that, you can take whatever you want from that. But one coach – overachieved the other has been underachieving one still has a job one is out of a job take that however you want to take that 
um, and also on the Brian Flores topic as well, too. The reason why he's believable is because two hours after he filed his lawsuit um, and I was reading through his lawyer's uh, suit, the NFL came out with these allegations are without merit. They're absolutely yep. not true. <laughs> My first thought was, how could you possibly know if they're true or not? He just told the world two hours ago, how could you possibly know? One way or the other, right? Yes, we all have an inkling of what we feel, but as the organization that is in charge of all of this, how could you possibly know that two hours into the first allegation? Well, now on Saturday, they, they pivoted, right? So they pivoted to... Well, you know, now we need to look into this because of the integrity of the game. So now it's a whole nother. Now it's not. It's absolutely not true. Now it's a well, maybe there's a few bad apples and we need to look into it. So that alone makes it believable for me as to see how the NFL pivoted in less than a week. And, and that's kind of why they went nuclear like yo, we're going on the big news networks we're going to get up we're going to uh cbs news like they wanted to get ahead of it just like the nfl like the way that they the nfl reacted like you said is very telling very telling it, it, it's not even like telling we, we've seen this song and dance before which is again we're we're still at this point uh people were making jokes on twitter saying that like the only thing the NFL is going to do is increase the font size of end racism in the end zones. And that's going to be their push to make diversity better for the NFL. Give us some more logos on the back of helmets and things of that nature. Um, Jay-Z is catching strays too on Twitter um, because it, allegedly he was the guy brought in to kind of <laughs> be that a uh, conduit from the black community, to try to get this diversity thing taken care of. And, uh, you know, we're going to G-Funk Super Bowl. You know, I guess that, you know, yay, great, that's money in your pockets, but what about these guys out here, again, getting the, the wool put over their eyes from a coach's perspective? And it's crazy, like, even how you were talking about the, the integration of the NFL, like, why, what if, you know, just like with integration with sports, they find out, like, hey, these black coaches are actually pretty good. Hey, maybe we should hire more of them just like letting more black people play and see what happened. You got the best athletes you've ever seen in your life, making your teams extremely good. You know what I'm saying? Like, what does it hurt to try? Like, at the end last, of the day, last, the bottom line, you're going to make more money if your team wins by getting better, talented people in there. But here's what I found, though. Reasons. Here's what I found working um, in a multitudes of things that I do is, you know, I always was a proponent of money trumps all, right? But what I found out as I've aged, is isms, whatever they may be, they trump everything, right? Um, people who feel a certain way about the age of, you know, a certain person, people who feel a certain way about the race of other people, um, people who feel a certain way about women, misogyny, and also these isms always trump everything, including money. Yeah, I mean they, they got it anyway. So like what what's another billion? Like why do I need to, you know, parade around these uh these these people when I can just, you know, still be rich with mediocrity? Like which again, it's it's to their own well, not even to their own detriment. Like 
like Marcus was saying, I don't know how you make them do something they don't want to do. I guess that's kind of what it boils down to. Um, and again, they're never going to hire a commissioner that's going to kind of, you know, put their feet to the flame as much as he can, even though like they, he works for them, but it's one of those things where like any other business, I don't think for the most part would be run like this. Like there would be some sort of like outside entity that's like kind of policing this type of stuff that, that doesn't have any skin in the game. Like if you're, local office was being ran like this you're not going to be able to pay off you know johnny at the office and give him millions of dollars to shut up like that's just not how this works so i feel like there should be some sort of outside oversight but again it's the nfl it's not the fucking post office or something like that so and ultimately it's just the game you know ultimately that comes down to a lack of the courts um so you know ultimately the courts are there for this exact reason um, and they're supposed to police um, what they call antitrust violations. So, you know, when teams are all getting together or organizations who all compete against each other, they're all getting together and they seem like they're piling on to individuals that they're supposed to be in competition with. Um, but really, all of them get together to pile on. The courts are supposed to step in and say, ho, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. You need to slow your roll. That's not right. But unfortunately, a lax of antitrust laws um, within our country, which goes to some other points with college sports, et cetera, et cetera. Um, that's kind of led these organizations to act as a single unit and be able to do pretty much whatever they please with no checks and balances. Yep. <clears throat> Uh, that's unfortunate, but as the, the Super Bowl comes, the story is going to be pushed to the back burner. But I definitely want to make it a point on this podcast, at least the follow up with it, keep bringing it up and and kind of see where this goes. Uh, just before we wrap this topic, I'm curious, like, is there any way he could like, hey, be like, hey, I don't want the payout. Like, is there any way he can just fight it tooth and nail? Which I think the answer to that is no, because the NFL is going to outmoney him. So, yeah, if, if he tried to do that. They would dig deep in the trenches to expose something about him. It, the game is that dirty, like whether it's some old text messages behind his wife's back. Um, miraculously, he'll have some sort of assault issue or so they, they'll do something to ruin his credibility. So, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't trust it. They said he was pushing to get uh, Deshaun Watson. So they'll probably just use that against them for. Uh, whatever reason, just to jump in on what uh, Amphrey was saying earlier about, uh, you know, do you know Sean McVay? Sean McVay has a pretty, like, already extensive coaching tree in the NFL. Like, three of his people that work for him used to work for him, or they're, they're head coaches. Uh, the Bengals head coach, Zach Taylor, uh, Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach, and who else? Uh, Brandon Staley, the Chargers, Chargers coach. They all know Sean McVay, and they all have head coaching jobs. And it's like, does Mike Tomlin have his own coaching tree? You know, and they, know they said the, uh, the Kevin O'Connell thing's done, so you might as well say it's five now. Yeah, so it's just like Mike Tomlin doesn't have that extensive of a coaching tree, I don't believe. And Tony Dungy probably doesn't have that extensive of a head coaching tree. And it's just like, you know, Tony Dungy and Mike Tomlin have won uh, Super Bowls. And Sean McVay, you know, took Jerry Goff to the Super Bowl, which is, that's impressive in itself, but still, like, you know, you gotta do a little bit better. But I mean, uh, if I'm if I'm a, a college athlete 
coming in the draft and it's like, hey, you know, the Dolphins are looking to take you. And I hear these things about the owner who's like, hey, I'm going to offer my coach $100,000 to lose games. Why would I want to go there? Or if I'm, you know, if the Giants are talking to me and, you know, they're, they've already hired a white coach and now they're interviewing a black coach just to check out a box. I don't want to go play for that person. Like, and, but with the draft, those players don't have any options. They're forced to go to these teams that are run by incompetent people or quote unquote, you know, racist people where they're not running their business in a way that's respectable. And these players don't have any choices when it comes to draft time. And I'm like, I, I, every time we bring it up, anytime the draft comes up, I'm always big on like, hey, get rid of the draft because there's no reason why these young athletes should have to waste their prime and waste their body on owners and general managers who aren't good at their, who aren't taking their craft just as seriously as these players. Like the Dolphins owner, he's not good at his job. The Giants, they're not, the Giants haven't been above 500 for five seasons. I'm talking about being like, they they haven't been 1-0 for five years. They haven't had a winning record for five years. And you're telling me as a kid coming out of college, I have to go to that team? I have to waste my time there because they've been so bad that they have a bad, they have a high draft pick and now I'm stuck there? That doesn't seem right. It shouldn't be that way. And let, let me just say, let me just say one more thing about the Stephen Ross because I, 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 it clicked because I remember in 2018, a year before he hired this black coach, he was called in to make a deposition in the Colin Kaepernick grievance uh, because of certain things that he was saying around that time, which I don't want to go into the whole spiel because it'll drag on too long. But I now wonder if maybe he hired Brian, Brian Flores, you know, Hey, it's just like that. You, you know how you'll have white people sometimes that, you know, total line of being racist and they'll point to, I have this black friend. I, I did this or this or this, so I'm not racist. So I kind of wonder if those two things could possibly tie into one another. Um, now that we're hearing about some of the stuff with Stephen Ross and uh, some of the, the comments that he made and some of the angles that he took with the former president in office. So that, I just wanted to bring that up as well. That was something I forgot about. So I'll leave you with this on the Brian Flores, Stephen Ross thing. When you look at uh, Brian Flores' complaints, um, the one thing that really stuck out to me, minus the Giants stuff, minus the NFL stuff, really, it was the Dolphins stuff, where hmm, he writes, or his lawyer writes through him, that he felt like when he was asked to do something that went against his integrity, and he said no, that they painted him to be an angry black man. And he had to keep his composure because that was exactly it. He didn't want to be seen as a disgruntled or angry black man, even though they were asking him to do something beyond his scope that goes against his integrity. And I feel like that, that again, that's a part of the bigger problem, right? How we're perceived, how we're looked at. So ultimately what was asked of him is he was asked to go on a cruise so Stephen Ross owns a yacht 
Brian Flores says that he was asked to come on the yacht. And when they got off of the yacht, it just happened to be that Deshaun Watson was there. He was just at the pier by chance. Wow, here's Deshaun Watson happened to be in the same exact place that the Miami Dolphins owner and coach are at randomly. Um, which is against, of course, for them to contact him within that as he is um, still on or he was still signed to the Houston Texans, still is. Um, that would be against NFL rules for them to have any contact with them. That would be tampering, um, which is what Flores said he walked away from. Um, they tried to make him, as he said in his words, um, look insubordinate and like an angry black man when he didn't want to comply. And he felt, it, it, it seems like he felt like he was going to be blackballed anyway, which maybe is how we got to the suit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as soon as I saw this from Brownsville, I already knew what it was. I'm like, yep, uh, he's, he's about that life. He's about that action. Uh, if you know, you know. But yeah, hopefully again, hopefully, hopefully we actually get some change. I'm not, I'm not willing to bet any money on that, but it, at least make the, you know, the the rich white men look bad for Black History Month. Um, but yeah, but the we'll, Giants we'll have two top ten picks this draft. Two of them, two picks in the top ten, number five and number seven. Yeah, uh, shout out to uh, Eric Bieniemy. They said that he is interviewing for the uh, Saints head coaching position. So. A bad um, coaching position. That's that's the other thing. Yeah, we we kind of get thrown the the scraps, and then again, if he doesn't do well, he'll he'll be let go, and then some other hot shot person will come in, and you know the cycle will continue. Kind of with uh, let's pivot to the Jags real quick. Kind of with the whole uh, Byron Leftwich situation. Uh, if you haven't been paying attention, uh, the only other team I really follow outside of the Falcons is the Jaguars. I used to live in Jacksonville, so a lot of my friends and family are Jaguars fans. So I just keep up with them. They're cool. I like Trevor Lawrence. I wanted him to be a Falcon, but we won too many games. But um, they they started like a little clown movement trying to get the owners to fire the uh, GM, Trent Balky because he's apparently terrible. Um, and to bring home Byron Leftwich, who was a former quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who wanted to be there. But he did not want to work with Balky because he's a terrible uh, GM. So uh, just to, real quick on that, they end up Byron Leftwich pulls his name out of the, out of the consideration, which kind of sucks because this would have been the best time to cash in on the whole Tom Brady thing, which you know could get him could have got him a job if he was going to comply and work with somebody who probably would have got him fired pretty quickly. Um, so I'm glad he didn't set himself up like that. And hopefully the media continues to push out his name as a hot top head coaching candidate, regardless of Tom Brady or whatever. But um, with that, they brought in, like uh, Ace or Tech said, uh, Peterson or whatever, which, again, if they win five games, they're going to be like, oh, look, we're on the up and up. We have the Super Bowl winning coach, and he's got to bring in his coach. So he's going to get the benefit of the doubt regardless. He's essentially in a win-win situation, and the fans just have to suck it. So. Shout out to the Jags fans. Shout out to the clown movement. It's it's pretty cool. I like seeing the solidarity with y'all, but it's going to be more of the same. So get, get ready for another <laughs> lackluster season in uh, Duval County. So God bless. So me as the resident Jaguar fan, I don't have my hat on today. I'm just going to be honest with you. I was extremely, first and foremost, I'm extremely proud of Byron Leftwich 
for standing his ground. Look, this is your career. As I said earlier, if you're black, you get one shot. If you don't believe that Balky has the same vision that you have, I wouldn't take the job either. He wanted Adrian Wilson, who is a black executive for the Arizona Cardinals, uh, former player as well, a Pro Bowl safety. Um, he wanted him to be his GM. Um, ultimately, Peterson, they're saying, didn't want to work with Balky either. Um, so what they're doing is they're going to hire an EVP who has the same agent as Peterson in order to, you know, kind of have someone over Balky as well. But I'm proud of Byron. The thing that I didn't like about the Jaguars was we announced it. Everybody was announcing it. They immediately re-release Byron Leftwich's jersey on the team website. So, of course, fans, they're going wild. They're buying up this jersey. It's selling out. It was like a quick cash grab, thinking that, hey, yeah, this is going to be my new coach. Like, And I was extremely happy about it because I felt like this was about to be the change that we needed. We were going to have a, a minority owner being a Pakistani American, a black GM with a black head coach. I was so happy, a black defensive coordinator potentially as well. I was so happy for the opportunity. And what I kind of made it into was imagine being a kid. And I, I'll use my own story. I remember as a kid, the PlayStation 1 came out. And my mom had bought Christmas gifts and I, I took a blade because I always kept a blade on me as a little kid. And I would cut open just a slight little bit of my gifts to see what I got because I knew I had been good in school for once other than fighting all the time. And I knew I was going to need this PlayStation. So anyway, I opened up one of the gifts that looked about the size of a PlayStation. It was a freaking like a scategories. And then the other one was like a Monopoly board. And I was so disappointed. And ultimately, of course, my mom found out and she took the PlayStation back, according to her. And I ended up getting it a few months later. But, you know, I was really dissatisfied in the fact that I got a bunch of board games when it's not what I wanted. I want a PlayStation. Who the fuck wants some board games, you know? And I equate this fiasco, especially to the black community of Jacksonville, as being your parents telling you, hey, we're going to get hagen ice cream this Saturday and then you make it to Saturday and they say oh well we're going to go to Sweet Frog which is it's a really good yogurt place really popular and then you get to Sweet Frog and they say okay well hey you can have Sweet Frog but you can only have plain yogurt you can't have no toppings on it or anything like that and it's like yeah the plain yogurt is still okay but it's not the, the yogurt with the sprinkles and your favorite toppings it's not the ice cream from Baskin Robbins or Hagen dazs it's not what I really want. And it's like, even though I know some people are trying to spin it like, hey, you should be happy you got a Super Bowl winning coach. I'm not happy. Like at the end of the day, I don't know how you guys remember it or not, but his final year in Philly, in my opinion, he sabotaged the game potentially. Um, I don't know what's going on. My screen is messing up. He sabotaged the game. He didn't, he went a half a year without speaking to Carson Wentz. They were four, 11, and one. Like they were just, they were terrible. And he deserved to be fired. Like I'm, I'm not extremely happy about that. And, and as, as a person that's a football fan, you get tired of the retreads as well, especially when you have the potential to get somebody new, exciting, semi homegrown, since we did draft the number seven overall in 2003. 
and you go from that to you know just getting whatever like it, it fucking sucks but you know I'm gonna still support the team I talked to South Breeze in private I thought about leaving the team he talked me out of it because he said you should be a Falcon fan I didn't want to do it so you know it kind of is what it is I mean I hope for Byron the best but it just it sucks man when you almost have exactly what you want and then it's like oh well you know shut up take this and then like the fans internally are like oh well, if you don't like it, leave the team. Newsflash, we don't have no fans anyway. Why would you say that? You know what I'm saying? We're the smallest fans in the league. Like, leave they the team. They remember the blackout days, man. The tarps. Yeah. <laughs> I'm talking about you. You see on TV, the, the, the shit's blacked out. It's, it's empty stands everywhere. Like, come on, leave the team. We don't have a team, basically. Come on. Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? Just to the, the pivot and, and spread some of the pain around, uh, today is the five-year anniversary of the greatest Super Bowl comeback in history. Uh, I This was no – it was no coordination, no coincidence. I was wearing this filthy-ass black hoodie today just because I was cold. But, yeah, um, if you don't know, if you live under a rock or just got out of a coma, uh, the Falcons were up in the Super Bowl – to a score of 28 to 3 with what three minutes and about 15 minutes left in, in the game, right? Which, you know, by by any anybody's measure is an easy kill. Like anybody that's coached Pop Warner, Pee-wee football, played Madden, anything like that. Under no no circumstances should you lose a game when you're up the score 28 to 3, right? But somehow the Falcons continue to make history by finding a way to not only go to overtime because they could not sustain that lead, but lose an overtime as Tom Brady drove right down the field like a knife through hot butter and, uh, you know, put a dagger in the hearts and souls of many Falcons fans, many Georgia natives, many AT aliens, whatever part of Georgia you're from, if you, you know, rep the red and black. It was a dark, dark day. Uh, I was living in New Jersey at the time. Uh, I would go to this barber shop with these guys from Philly, and they would talk a lot of shit. Because I was a Falcons fan. They'd just be like, oh, Matt Ryan sucks, Matt Ryan. This is during the MVP year. He's like, oh, Matt Ryan's trash. Oh, yada, yada. I'm, I'm in there having to defend them, put my cape on. I don't like doing that. But I'm like, look, I, it, you know barbershop coach. You're going to be loud and wrong, right? There's going to be yelling, and I got videos of it. But, yeah, they just want to be loud and wrong, all that shit. But. Um, I'm like, yeah, you know, Matt Ryan's got this and that. You know, statistically, the Falcons, blah, 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 blah. They, they should win this game. We made a bet or whatever. And uh, it was looking really good, and it looked really bad. Yeah, uh, it was it was tough. I went in there the very next day, showed my face. I'm not scared. I'm not no hoe. You know, I'm like, hey, man, I'm not scared. I'm going to pay my best. I'm going to pay my debts. You know what I'm saying? It is what it is. Um, but Falcons fans can't seem to let that go. Uh, case in point, Falcons fans find to make everything about them. Shout out to KJ. KJ, you're lucky that message in my DMs got deleted during the Super Bowl from you. KJ is a Patriots fan. You're lucky that message got deleted. I was going to expose you. Um, but anywho, yeah, Falcons find any opportunity to make anything that's not Falcons related. Falcons related, for example, with the uh, Rams-Bucks playoff game. The Rams were down like three touchdowns or something like that. Or no, the Bucks were down like three touchdowns. And 
you knew what was going to happen. The announcer was going to be like, oh, you know, Tom Brady has been a team that's come back from a, a big lead like this. And Falcons Twitter goes insane, like, oh, stop trolling us. Stop bringing this up. Let it go. Yada, 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 yada. And I tweeted out like, yo, they're not saying this to troll Falcons fans. They're saying it because it's 100% relevant. And as the game progressed, you saw that it became truer and truer as the, the Bucks continue to close that gap. So, guys, watch games and just enjoy the games. Like, stop making everything about you. Like, anytime Kyle Shanahan's, Shanahan's playing, it's like, oh, Shanahan, Shanna sucks. He blah, 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 blah. It's like, fam, can you guys just not enjoy the games? It's not about you. The Falcons made history. It is what it is. You can't pick out pieces of history like critical race theory with these white folks that you don't like. It happened. Slavery happened. 28-3 happened. It, it is what it is. Like, you, you move on. But you guys that get triggered every time anybody brings it up, including yourselves to get retweets. That's on y'all. Like, the more you guys interact with it when people bring that up, it's never going to go away. Like, y'all are literally feeding the trolls and then getting mad about it. It's the whole, like, uh, what's that dude's name who's on uh, this season, the uh, Righteous Gemstones? Uh, Eric Dyson, Dixon, the funny... Andre? Andre, yeah, that dude. Yeah. It's the whole, like, you know, shooting that man, shooting Hannibal Burris, me, like, what happened? Like, why why, why are you doing this? Or why did you bike? do this? Yeah, why did you do this? Or the whole, you're riding a bike, and you you stick a, a stick in the tires and throw yourself off, and it's like, yo, why, why is this happening? You're doing it to yourselves. Like, let it go. Well, the thing is, they, they they bring it up when it's relevant. You know, it's not like I, I'm not watching like the Colts play the Titans, and it's fourteen to three, and they're not like, well, this reminds me of the Falcons twenty eight to three Super Bowl loss. Like they're not doing that. And uh, like you said, they they brought it up during the Bucks Rams game, a game that Tom Brady is playing in, and he played in that Super Bowl game. And it, the only reason I brought this up is because I I was scrolling my timeline and I saw I think it was either Josh or Eric they were talking about how. No, it was Eric. He was uh, Eric Robinson. You should uh, follow him. He's on DBNR. And he was saying that uh, he had to mute the words like Super Bowl and Super Bowl 50 or whatever Super Bowl was because he's had enough of it. And Josh was like, yeah, we don't – there's no reason to be talking about it. Like, I wish they would just stop bringing it up. It, it happened. Move, the, move on. And I'm like, all right. And I, you know, looked around a little bit, and then I realized, like, hey, this is the – fifth year anniversary of that game it's like of course they're gonna talk about it it's the anniversary of the game and it's like tom brady just retired why wouldn't they talk about his greatest super bowl win and one of the biggest collapses in sports history like that that's not something that they're going to forget about it's not something that you can expect sports media and sports fans to just not talk about like i just don't understand why they would think that that is the case you know, like they bring it up with with the Warriors and they're, you know, blowing a 3-1 lead. But there's not a lot of there's not a lot of 28-3 blown leads in the Super Bowl. Like you guys are you guys got to wear it. It is what it is at this point. So one, one thing I will say before Tech jumps in is that as bad as that is, nobody ever brings up the whole Russell Wilson throwing that interception on the one yard line. That was pretty bad. Like they, they did. I was yelling. I was like, yo, I'm like, this is not happening. This is not real. Like, there's yeah. no way this just happened. That was, I would have to say that's equally well, no, as they, egregious. They but, bring that up. They bring that up whenever it's a close game and like people are on like the one or two yard line where it's like, 
you know, they should probably run it here. Like you think back to the Super Bowl, like they, they bring it up. But the thing that helps Russell Wilson in that in and the Seahawks in that moment is they had won a Super Bowl with the, like the year before, you know, like the Warriors would be getting killed for blowing a three one lead if they didn't already have a championship under their belt type deal. So and they were seventy three and nine that year too, which is they they yeah. always bring that up. Um, yeah, they they bring up that because and, and maybe I hear it more because Daryl Bevel was on our offensive staff as a coordinator and he was temporarily a head coach. Um, they always talk about what kind of a you know a gaff that was as far as from a memory perspective, uh, or just a play call like on his point. For me, that game, that was probably one of the saddest games I've ever seen. Like you're you're watching it, you're a person from the southeast, you're excited, you know. And I'm gonna be honest with that. I mean, we can say all we want about the good things about Tom Brady, blah blah blah. But anybody outside of New England. Well, KJ, I don't know if he's black or not because we haven't really seen him. But, you know, we know what their fans typically look like. But anybody outside of that probably hated Tom Brady. So we we really wanted to see him get what's coming to him. That's just like with the Giants games. like, And, and I'm sure the Patriot fans hear that too. Like whenever you get a team that's getting closer to being undefeated and then here comes the miraculous catch being beat it, being defeated by Eli Manning, who's a very pedestrian quarterback twice. And now he's going to be a first battle hall of famer regard. Well, because of that, um, but just to kind of stay on topic, it was a hard game to watch. Like, I don't know what was going on. I don't know if the fix was in. It's no way Atlanta shouldn't have came out of that, that game with a championship. And it's like for a team like me, I support a team that's never won a Super Bowl as well. And it's just like, you want to see that success story. Like you want to see that team overcome the odds and, and win a Super Bowl. And they were right there. Like they had everything. And the thing I hate the most about the Falcons and Falcons Twitter is you're right. They take everything so personal. Like at the end of the day, whether it's Tom Brady or not, anybody that comes back from a pretty big deficit, that game is going to be brought up. You know, like no matter what, if there's, um, like you said, a close game down to the end zone, the goal line, last play, that the game with the Seahawks and the Patriots is going to bring up. Uh, even with the Jaguars, the Miles Jack wasn't down. Like that's the four-year anniversary of that. And we we have to go through that. Like people talk about that. We I think we had like a 13-point lead. And even at the press conference today, Doug Peterson was saying um, in his book, that coach Doug Marone should have, he was like, if I was in that position, I would have never took my foot off their neck. We did just like y'all did. And ultimately we get the miles Jack wasn't down game. It's sports, you know, Atlanta fans don't take it so personal. At the end of the day, your time in the sun is going to come like y'all got a good owner. He's, he's a, he's a good person. I don't know. What, he's a good person. He's, he's, he's a Down for the pause. Okay. My nigga's going to come through one day. He's going to come through one day. The sun will shine in Atlanta one day. And when it does, we'll be happy. And you know what? Y'all can move on and just forget about that. But to South Reese's point, as long as you keep making it a big deal, they're going to keep bringing it up because people live for those likes, those retweets, the arguing on Twitter, 
and all of that. So if you ignore it, people will leave it alone. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was funny. It was funny that day just because Twitter was like, just the jokes were just going crazy. So it, it was funny, like in real time, but as the years have gone on and it has like, I don't know. And, and just from interacting with so many people from Atlanta and so many Falcons fans, it's just, it's draining dealing with Falcons Twitter. Like I wish they would have won that game. So Falcons Twitter would not be so bitter. Like they are one of the more like bitter fan bases on Twitter. It's just like, they don't forget anything. If you leave the team, whether you're cut or traded, they're going to rejoice in all of your failure for the rest of your career. If you even put any type of constructive criticism as a journalist or reporter, or even on Twitter, if you just make a, a comment like, hey, you know, that was a bad block or that was a bad throw, all of a sudden you're a Falcons hater, you hate the Falcons. And it's just like, I wish they would have just won that game so I wouldn't have to deal with so much bitterness on the timeline all it's day. It's a civil war. It's a civil uh, war. And, and, and I, nobody I still, brings it up more than them. <laughs> they yeah, bring it up it all the still, time. It would happen. I think, I don't know, is it, I don't, it might be a Georgia sports thing because, like, even after the Bulldogs won the national championship, there was, like, peace for maybe, like, three or four hours. And then it's just, like, it just, it never stops. Like, y'all just won it. <laughs> I saw somebody tweet, like, I think I talked about this in the podcast. Somebody's like, oh, uh, Stedman Benson has a national championship and Justin Fields doesn't. I'm like, what are we what are we doing, man? What are we doing? <laughs> what are we doing? No, that Jay boy, that and that's why it's I'm not, not that. Fan. That's not what I'm it not, is. I'm not a fan. That's why I'm a supporter. I am not a fanatic. My brain works. My brain is intact. Y'all wake up every day and choose violence for no reason. Like that'll make your blood pressure high. Like, like y'all, y'all can't have any hairlines in Falcon Twitter. Last, like y'all gotta be on all the blood pressure medication. Like it's for what? Last for year what? the Colts, the Colts lost. Uh, they didn't re-sign Nico Archer. He's a defensive lineman. He used to play for the Colts. We didn't re-sign him. He went and signed with the Titans, like our in our division, like our a legitimate rival team. I don't like. I didn't see anybody in our Colts group chat, anybody on Colts Twitter on the timeline saying anything about him when they when they lost in the first round after being the number one seed uh, to the Bengals at home. Like nobody cared. Like yeah, we we were clowning the Titans, but it wasn't the thing where it's like, oh well, you should have took a pay cut and stayed with the Colts, or oh look at that bum, Danico. Or like that's not that's a Falcons tw- That's a Georgia. Twitter thing or an Atlanta. Well, let me ask. So when I Manning did it, did y'all that. feel a certain type of way when he won the Super Bowl? We were rooting for him to win. We wanted him to see win. Jaguar Twitter. We with certain players were cool, but Ramsey were not. I could I could see why you guys would not be for Ramsey, but I understand why Ramsey was like, nah, fuck this team. And yeah. he and at the end of the, at the end of the day, he's right. He was right. Yeah, like but he, Atlanta, right about Atlanta Twitter, man, it is just I, I just don't know. Like y'all, y'all are constantly bickering and fighting and defending Atlanta sports. I didn't even know niggas watch some of these sports. Like the, the soccer team, nobody cares about MLS, first of all. You guys defend that, the baseball stuff, college football. Some people even talk about Georgia Tech. Like it, it's just if you're Atlanta. You're Atlanta to the core, 
and I, I've never seen nothing like it, it's it's a it's it's a gift and it's a curse. Like I know I, I see them sometimes with the with the Hawks going at it with the Knicks, and it's like nigga, y'all didn't win the title anyway. So what? Who cares? You know what I'm saying? Or I don't I don't get it. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the the Atlanta United. Like when they were hot, I saw a lot of tweets, but I don't, I don't. And maybe it's because I've muted most of the Atlanta Twitter, but I don't ever see no tweets about Atlanta United ever, no more. I do see tweets about the Hawks, which again is getting equally annoying because last year is fire, fire Lloyd, Lloyd Pierce or let's clown Lloyd Pierce and let's bring in Nate McMillan. Is that the coach's name? Whatever the coach's name, like oh he's the savior. Oh Lloyd Pierce was trash. Full circle. Oh. Nate McMillan's got to go. He's not good. Oh, we need more help. Trade needs help. And then it's like, oh, we're on a winning streak. It's just like it's a roller coaster every single day. And I don't know how you live like that. It can't be fun. It can't be fun. People's sports opinions vary from game to game. Like if your guy loses or he has a bad game, that guy sucks. If he has a great game, he's great. And they, they're going to go to the championship. It's just it's you have to look at the big picture, the whole picture, and that's kind of what's going on with uh Westbrook when they're just like when he has one good game, they're like, We'll see. Westbrook, he's not bad, he's not the problem. But then he'll have seven or eight games where he's trash, and just like that, that that's probably who he is. Like the issue with players like Westbrook is he's great every now and again. Like he still has the ability to be great. But on a day-to-day, game-to-game basis, he's most likely going to be below average because of age, wear and tear, his ability to not be able to shoot. It's like all the time. Like Kevin Durant, when Kevin Durant plays, he shows up every game. Like that's the sign of a great player. Like, well, I don't want to say every game, but like 95% of the games, Kevin Durant is going to show up and show out. Joel Embiid, he's going to show up and show out. LeBron, LeBron, LeBron James, same thing. Players like Russell Westbrook and Carmelo Anthony, Kyrie Irving, man, they they they're kind of hanging on there. Like they'll show up every now and again, but they're not reliable because they're not they're still not great players anymore. Yeah. So bottom line, fan fans are insane. That's what it boils down to. Like you, you don't have to be like this, but um, yeah, uh, it's a terrible day for a lot of people. I'm indifferent. Shout out to Jalen who's watched the Super Bowl. That game many times for analysis purposes. I am I am not that old. I yeah, I have better things to do with my time than rewatch piss poor game management on on it on the highest level on the biggest stage. So I, I'm good on that. But I don't know if uh Amfro's still there, but uh if not, appreciate you coming through. Um We'll we'll do music first because I know Tech doesn't watch Euphoria. He's one of the few people that does not watch it, so he'll probably dip out. But um, what's what's new music look like for you guys? Uh, is anything uh, usurped Nas's uh, magic for album of the year? Oh God, I wish I have to look it up. There there was one. I'm gonna have to look it up. I'll have it by the time I'm done or whenever you start talking. But uh, I just wanted to talk about Nicki Minaj's single with Lil Baby. And uh, two changes album, dope don't tell itself. Um, both have gotten better the more I listen to it. Uh, two chains and Nicki Minaj, like Nicki Minaj came out doing what she does, the high level rapper. Um, the bars are there. She did a little bit of you know the singing thing, which is like you know, a lot of people are turned off by that, but I, I don't mind it because a lot of rappers are doing that. Uh, the two chains project, it's, it's a little bit more subdued. Um, 
it's a little bit more it's the the lyrics a little bit harder there's there's a there's a couple of uh dancey uh like one of the songs samples uh laffy taffy which was kind of odd to hear uh two chains rapping over my issue is and i'm going to continue to have this issue as long as rappers keep doing this stop calling Lil baby for a feature he's on the Nicki minaj single he's on two chains album i've had enough i like Lil baby Lil baby's verse on Nicki minaj's song fire well i don't, don't want to say fire was fine his verse on two chains album it was fine but enough like there's got to be someone else that you guys can call to get a feature from is his phone number the only one y'all have is he the only one responding to dm because what the fuck, man call somebody else anybody else agree that's that's crazy i actually didn't even know two chains had an album out i need to check that out wow did y'all listen to Scared Money with uh, J. Cole, YG, well, YG, J. Cole, and uh, Moneybag? Not yet. I saw that trio, and I was like, that's a very interesting uh, group of rappers that put together a song. But no, I, ha- I haven't listened to it yet. Um, I've been I've been caught up with this uh, this new artist that I, I found on Tidal. So, I'm sure it's very uh, gang-related and ballerific so yeah it's a good song i mean i kind of for some reason yg's rapping a little weird i don't get what he was doing on this one and i mean i've only heard it like twice but um j cole did his thing as always when he's on somebody else's production he is a monster um moneybag did his job y'all know uh last year that was my new artist that i really was taking a liking to. So um, he, he did his thing too. I'm glad to see him get a chance to work with a broader base of individuals, but I don't know, man, I think YG's in danger of falling into that. Will you ever top my crazy life? Because it's like on that one, that, that album was so good. And you know ever since then, Oh, what are you saying? No, he's got some, this, he puts out good music. Like, I, I don't know if he does, heard. but that was, that was top tier, and ever since then, I just don't know, man. Nah, his other albums are fine. There's there's nothing wrong with them. Uh, well, what, what I was going to say, uh, as far as album of the year contenders, contenders for albums that actually came out in 2022, because I know we're still have, we still have Nas's Magic up there, even though it came out in 2021. It came out like the second or third week of December, but uh, there's a rapper, um, goes by Shade. Noir, uh, her album is really good. Some pretty good rapping on there. And another rapper whose album I'm listening to, uh, Saba. Uh, I've heard of a couple of his songs, but I've never actually listened to his album. Uh, this album is pretty good. It's very melodic and uh, kind of chill. I'd like to keep listening to it. But as far as albums that came out in 20, 2022, uh, I'd probably put those at number one and two over over uh, Corday. Like Corday's album has already been like push to the side like that's not an album of the year contender no matter how much he wants to claim that he's one of the best up and coming rappers out there and he's one of the young guys that's you know to be a, a force to be reckoned with he's not that guy like i thought i thought he was that guy he's not that guy like it is what it is he's already been surpassed uh in that arena um i don't know if you guys talked about this but uh j cole he's been on a 
pretty nasty tear with features uh, with the uh, YG and uh, Benny the Butcher uh, verses that he put out. Like, I I wish feature J Cole would show up on J Cole's albums because he's not rapping this way on his own albums. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's that needs to change, and I don't know what needs to happen for him to rap with at that level on his own albums, but I would I would like to hear that, and I will continue to say. No more little baby features, no more. And I'm I'm talking to I'm talking to Nicki Minaj, I'm talking to Pusha T, I'm talking to Freddie Gibbs, I'm talking to Kendrick Lamar, I'm talking to any rapper, put like any rapper from here on out that comes out with a album that has a little baby feature on it, or even a Twenty One Savage feature, I'm going to have a problem with it because we've heard enough, like enough. They're not they're they're fine rappers, but they're not the only rappers out there that can do these verses for you. There are other rappers out there that are capable of giving you high level rapping or singing or whatever it is that you that you're looking for. These guys can't be the only two options out there. This yeah, isn't. Lil, yeah. this isn't Lil this Baby isn't. has reached that like that almost that Drake status where um, maybe back in 2016, 2017, well 2016 through maybe 2018 where. It was like everywhere you go, Drake was featured everywhere. And I do feel like Lil Baby's kind of the same way. And it's like, bruh, I'm actually just ready for an album. Because it's like even the way that he raps, the sounds, there's no real depth to it. Like it's all the same over and over yeah, again. Like if you listen to one, Lil Baby. Yeah, if you listen to one, you listen to them all. So I definitely agree with you on that. This isn't, this isn't 2000. 2006 Lil Wayne, where Lil Wayne would get on a feature and like make the song his song, or even Young Jeezy back then. Like, there's certain artists that went on these, like, even J. Cole, what he did in I think it was 2016 or 2017, where he went on this feature run. It was just like, yo, J. Cole is killing it, he's on everybody's songs, but he's taking these songs to another level. With Lil Baby, it's just Lil Baby's just on the song, and it's just like. Yeah, are you not bringing anything else to it? Like, God damn, it's a, it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you listen to so much music and you keep hearing the same types of rappers rapping the same way on everybody's projects. Like, you could put Lil Baby's feature from the Nicki Minaj song on the Two Chains album, and it sounds the same. It doesn't matter. Like, all his verses are redundant. Yeah. They are. If, if you want to get away from uh, little baby features, uh, you can check out an artist that I randomly saw on title. His name is Dro Kenji. Uh, he has a project out called, uh, I forgot what it's called. That's crazy. That'll help for promotion purposes, but let is me find it. Little baby, is someone called Little Baby? This generation is Lil Wayne because I want to fight. Let, like, okay. Where fight. do you see that? Oh my god! Yeah, let's fight! I, 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 I will fight you. Like where? So, where are you? Drew, if you're trying to get away from little baby, Drew Kenji, I will come to you and I will fight you in the streets because that's ridiculous. I'm sick of this shit. I will not so, stand by for this. Lil Wayne is like a top ten rapper of all time. No one has had the type of feature run or album run or mixtape run that Lil Wayne has had. Lil Wayne has been rapping since he was like. 10 years old and has been rapping at a high level longer than most rappers have in their entire careers. It is offensive for anybody to even suggest that Lil Baby, who's been rapping for no no more than like three years, 
is this generation's Lil Wayne. If you tell me that Lil Baby is this generation's Lil Wayne, you are telling me that you're not old enough to remember what Lil Wayne was. Like, shut up. I, I, I will fight you. DM me your address. I will find, I will fly or drive to you and we will fight. I'm sick of this shit. We're not going to do this. Okay, so Dro Kenji has a project out called With or Without You. Uh, I found it on titles. Like, you know what? Let me just listen to something different. Um, his album cover is kind of cool. He kind of looks like one of the Migos. It's kind of weird. Um, he's only 19 years old. He's from uh, Somerville, South Carolina. Shout out to Somerville, the home of AJ Green. Um, my thoughts were he kind of sounds like a little bit of a mix of uh, Juice World and uh, the one Ray Shremmerd boy. What's the, the good one? I was going to say Green Day. What's what's the good Ray Shremmerd boy's name? Panic at the Disco. Not 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 Lee, Jimmy Lee is it? Sway, no, Sway Lee. Lee. He sounds like a Sway Lee. Sway Lee in a Juice World, and he even says like his uh the people he listened to growing up were. Damn, what the fuck? Excuse my language. He grew up listening to Young Thug, Future, Fresh Montana, Radiohead, Green Day, and Weezer. So that's kind of where he gets his influence from. But like I said in the podcast. If you want me to listen to your music, new artists, keep that shit under 45 minutes. This dude's album, he's got 15 songs that's under like 35 minutes. That is what made me click on that project. If this shit would have been like an hour, I was probably not going to listen to him. Like, you know what? 30 minutes, I can give that a run. Great project. Definitely check it out. Dro Kenji, With or Without You. I'll give you my song of the week from that album. It's going to be the first track. I thought we weren't doing that. Well, I'm just saying, if you want the song like... How you guys were lying to me about Mac Miller, saying like, oh, we told you about Mac Miller. If you want to know what song to listen to with Joe Kenji, start with track one. Push to start. That shit is fire. If it's not fire, come and tell me, but you're not going to do that because I know what I'm talking about. So, so with or without you, check it out. I'm telling you, I want your feedback. Let me know if you like it or not. Definitely will do. Make sure you put that in the group chat. Not under title because I don't have title. I just have Apple Music. Or wow, Apple, Apple, Apple users. That's crazy. Not supporting the black man. Uh, you don't either. Uh, you clearly just named out five rock bands. But speaking about not supporting the black man. So the worst track of the week, which I hope they don't play this at the uh, Super Bowl. Did y'all hear this Dr. Dre and Eminem dropped a song called Gospel? That shit should be a sin. Like it is no, God off. Shout out to Lowski because he is the resident Eminem hater. Um, this song it sucks. I hope they don't play this at the Super Bowl. Dr. Dre, just hang it up, bro. Like, just focus on being an executive producer and just leave the other stuff alone. We know you don't write your own raps. Eminem doing the rapidy rap thing, just not feeling the song. So if you guys could, um, it's on Grand Theft Auto's The Contract soundtrack, I guess, or whatever, which that game's been out for like 10 years already. Um, they did announce this week they're going to finally work on part six. I will say, if we're doing Song of the Weeks, I randomly heard this song by Paul Wall, Paul Wallaby, called Swinging in the Rain. Another nice track. I don't know who produced it. That track is fire, but um, I just wanted to make sure I put that out there to push the Paul Wall propaganda as we do. So what it do, baby? Shout out to Texas. Houston, stand up. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing it this week. I'm, I'm not going right, to defend right. Eminem this week. I'm yeah, not we're not going to do that. Uh, let's, uh, let's wrap with uh, some more Euphoria High School. 
I don't want to do too much of a deep dive. I already think that this they they kind of jumped the shark. Uh, they have been fucking renewed for a third season. So somebody tweeted out, I guess Rue is not getting sober. So it's a bit telling. So a shout out to Rue, the fucking ultimate crackhead. Um, I guess the two biggest sticking points for this episode for me was the whole uh, throttle situation going on with uh, Rue, uh, Jules, and the uh, Elliot? Young, light-skinned gentleman. What's his name? Elliot. Elliot. Yeah, so uh, the the whole, the uh, I guess the quote-unquote sex scene with uh, Rue and Jules was low-key hilarious, but it was made even more funny because of Twitter. Like, Twitter is, is the greatest. And Twitter was like, yo, I know they be musty all the time because Jules and, and Ruby riding their bikes everywhere <laughs> wearing like sweatpants and stuff. God damn. So uh, Jules was performing uh, fellatio on young Rue. And Rue was just like, oh, this feels amazing. It's amazing. It feels amazing. And she essentially fakes an orgasm for, for Rue. Which is low key hilarious, but she was like, Yo, she her little inner monologue was like, Yo, I'm on so many drugs, I can't feel anything. Which is, yeah, it, yeah. So, uh, you know, Rue confides in Elliot, and then they start kind of hooking up, and it, it kind of becomes a thing. Which was, I, I you saw that from a mile away, like that was that was easy to see, kind of lazy writing, in my opinion, but yeah. Uh, the whole uh, hot tub scene. I I made a mistake by eating and watching the whole Nate yeah. Cassidy situation. Um, if you know, you know. If you have not watched this episode, I highly recommend that you do not eat while watching it because I I almost threw up after after that that scene, which was insane. But the highlight of the episode to me, and the most egregious part might be like the wildest like monologue I've ever seen in my life, which was Cal, uh, Nate's father, who is probably the most problematic character on the show. Um, again, I don't want to do any spoilers, but if you know, you know. But uh, Nate has, has been fighting apparently his sexuality his whole life. They did a whole backstory on him, uh, him you know, being a homosexual male who happened to get his now wife pregnant and you know, they have Nate. So at the end of the episode, Nate went fucking insane. He flamed his entire family. That was like training day-esque monologue from that guy, spazzing the fuck out on his entire family. Um, he was like, yo, like the type of the type of porn he said he saw his son was watching, like disgusted him. And if you know Cal's <laughs> character, that had to be some wild porno that he was watching. He's like, "Yo, your mom showed me this. We were disgusted." It's like, "Yo, you know, you're, you're talking about his mom is DM and other men." It, it was just a wild problematic scene, but it was it was great. It was chaotic, very chaotic. I'm about yeah. I'm about done with this family. Why are we Why are we spending so much time in this family, especially with Cal? Like, they, he already had his one episode. He gets two episodes now. Like the the black the black guy who played football last year, he got one episode. And he's gone. He had one episode last season, and he was in one scene this season, episode one. We ain't seen that nigga since. Like, where is he at? Cal gets two make, episodes. He's trying to make it to the league, man. Jesus, so. <laughs> I'm I'm tired of them trying to make this dude like 
sympathetic. Like it's a, we're, we're supposed to feel something for him because he's finally like, oh, he's now accepted who he is. Now he doesn't care what his family thinks, what his friends think. He's liberated. He can now be himself. And it's supposed to be a thing where it's like, oh, well, this is great for Cal. We should feel great for him. No, fuck that dude, man. He's not a good person. Stop trying to make me feel bad for him. I don't. He's a dick. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. The dick is the, the word <laughs> of the show. There was definitely a, a meat, meat brigade on that episode per usual. There was an article I was reading about that. I didn't finish it, but I, I was trying to see if they just if they're doing this on purpose or not. But it's 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 very, very problematic. So but I, my my thing is um, my issue. And it's been it, I don't know. If, I don't know if it happened last season as much. But this season, the music on this show is just too much. Like it's it's enough already. Like you don't have to put every fucking song you've ever heard in your fucking life on this show. You put it, he changes the song every two minutes. I'm I'm more of a person when I watch a show, I feel like I'm more into the show when the music is music that the characters can hear. Like it's music that they're listening to or music that's being played in the background or things like that. I don't really like to just hear music all, it's like, a it's overwhelming to hear this amount of, this amount of different music per episode like if you go through and rewatch some of these episodes listen to how many different songs are played it's a lot of songs it is ridiculous uh but one of the things i do like about the show is i like how uh the director sam levinson the, the creator of the show i like how the show is shot like it's one of those shows where if you watched it on mute it would look great. Like the shots look great. Like not even worrying about what they're saying, but just like the movements, the color, the shading, the photography, all that stuff looks fantastic. Like I feel like this guy should direct music videos because that's how great the uh, the film or the directing looks on this show. Like he should direct an F- F- FKA Twigs music video. But, like, the amount of music on this show is just too much. Like, I don't need to hear five different songs in one scene. It's too much. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to check on that when I watch the next episode. But um, I guess as we wrap, uh, the whole Black History Month pandering thing. So I posted a picture on my Instagram, same with my Twitter, South 706 so again, I'm an avid Halo player. I've actually haven't played in a couple of days. And I notice when I don't play continuously, I become terrible. Like I got fucking washed the last couple of days and it, it hurt my soul. I haven't played at all today, so I might play after this. But so Halo, uh, they released a uh, pretty much a black history flag, right? Just like all the other corporations, you know what I'm saying? Like pandering to black people, whatever, sell stuff. But uh, call it what you want. I thought it was actually pretty cool. Um it was free. I didn't have to pay for it, but it's, it's one of those things where like, Hey, I can kind of be, you know, like, Hey, I'm black. Right. And then it's kind of cool where you could probably also see other black folks like, cause it's, it's not often you see a lot of black halo players, I guess. I know there's black gamers, but they're usually kind of weird. Um, not the weirdest bad, but like don't shower type weird. I don't know. But uh, yeah, 
I don't see too many of those flags when I'm playing, but I thought that was cool. I, I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, Chad, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll uh, show you. It's it's one of the pictures on my page. But yeah, I think it's cool. It's free. I'm never taking that flag down. It's we out here, baby. Like we're we're in this space. We're doing our thing. So, uh, shout out everybody who rocks with the the Halo content on the page and the sneaker stuff. We're trying to work. So, um, yeah, appreciate the support. Definitely like, comment. Uh, it, it manipulates the algorithm to get more views. So that's that's the that's the goal. So appreciate that. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's like super bad pandering. It's not like. Uh, like the NFL teams, the NBA teams, just changing their logo and putting like Kente cloth stuff behind it. So something tangible. If you don't want it, you don't want it. But if you want to be black and proud, fuck it. We out here. Yeah, that's uh, I remember Call of Duty doing that thing where the whole I think it was one George Floyd, that whole situation. They had their whole uh, the murder. Yeah, they had uh, the uh, loading screen with like, you know, black people matter and we care about our customers and then oh, i didn't know, you know that yeah and then i that's a bit the, much yeah you know it, it was a loading screen for like two weeks and during that time i got called a nigger like at least four times so that was great uh yeah it's it, companies are gonna do this like they're they're i feel like they're trying but not really like they don't know they don't know what to do because it's just a room full of white people trying to figure out, well, what do the niggers like? What do the colored folks like? Hey, great. They'll like yell down the hallway to the first black person they see, hey, come in here and try to figure this out for us. Like, all right, man. Like, you got it. We got to get people into these buildings, into these spaces that are able to speak. Because it's, it's, it's one thing to have like a, a, like a corporate room full of white people and then hire one minority. But if that one minority doesn't have the ability to use their own voice and they're just echoing everything everyone else is saying, then there was no point in hiring that person. Like you need to hire minorities and empower them to speak up and speak in a way that uh, reflects how they actually feel, not, you know, putting on your white voice or, you know, code switching and all that stuff. Like, you know, what it's like what the Washington football team did where they put out that meme and it's just like, I've never seen anybody misuse a meme that poorly since that. And it's clearly, it's clear that they don't have any young black people in their social media team because no one would ever let that fly because it didn't make any sense for them to do that. So uh, I know everybody else is kind of throwing out a song of the week. I'm going to put uh, mine out. Uh, it's going to be from Shade Noir, uh, her album, uh, Food for Thought. She's actually from uh, Buffalo. New Jersey, or yeah, or Buffalo, New York. Uh, New York. Uh, she has a song called uh, "Ladies Brunch" that has Seven the Genius and Armani Caesar on it, and it's a pretty dope song. So it's good to hear from uh, Armani. She hasn't been active musically in a, in about a year or two, so it's good to hear from her. She got a verse on uh, "Hitler Wears Hermes," the B sides. Yeah, I mean, one verse in two years is not very active in my my book. So, I mean, I would like to hear like a full project from her, but yeah, I this, this Shade Noir, like I'm gonna keep re, I'm gonna keep listening to this album, but I, I think it's gonna be uh, in the running for like top five albums of a, at least the first quarter. Like, it's gonna be up there. It's really good. Yep. Uh, so I'll do my weekly uh, follower count. So last week, last episode, I was at 77 followers. Now I am at. 
100. So I have amassed 23 followers. So shout out to y'all. Appreciate support. Going to continue the growth. Uh, the next goal is going to be 200, not in a week, but we're going to see how quick we can do that. So definitely let your people know I'm out here. I support, you know, other people I like. I'll share your stuff, especially if you're black. If you're black and you don't follow me, shame on you. It's Black History <laughs> Month. You know what I'm saying? We got to support each other. And it's free. It doesn't cost you nothing to follow me, but it could get me more looks. And then when I get those looks and get those sponsorships, I'm going to give back to the black community. So it's going to come around full circle. But anywho, we appreciate Ant coming on. Appreciate uh, Tech coming on. Shout out to El Chapa. Shout out to everybody who rocks with us. Definitely drop a review on uh, Apple Podcast. Definitely share the podcast. Doesn't cost you a thing. Uh, this is KTSC Ave. We out. Peace.